thing is, I could go to the. Uh, I could go to the Superior Word and see if it's actually coming up live. It, it's just not. I don't know how to do it anyway. Oh, there it is. Red light. Yay. Yay. Okay. Yay. All right, Jim. Psalm 119, verse 129. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and hand, longing for your command. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Who is due to those who love you? Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your decrees. Dreams of tears flow from my eye. Law is not a... Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the opportunity to come here and uh, that uh, we're not getting beaten too badly with rain right now as the uh, storm's coming close to Florida. But we do pray for anybody that's on the East Coast that has decided to stay and uh, hunker down in their house that they would be kept safe by your hand if it's your will and uh, that uh, you would just direct the course of this storm according to your wisdom, which will happen. And uh, we also uh, thank you for each person here and anybody that's here with us online right now or that watches later on YouTube that they'll hear something maybe that will build them up, them up and edify them in their uh, understanding of the book of Romans and we certainly thank you for the book of Romans it is wonderful and Lord God we uh, just commit this hour and a half to you and we love you and we praise you and we exalt you in Jesus beautiful name Amen, Amen. Hey hey how y'all doing there? Okay, uh, before I get into uh, uh, the Bible study itself, I do have a um, thing that you can read. I'll leave it up here for after the class. It's um, on um, Friday and Saturday at the uh, Covenant Life Presbyterian Church out on um, uh, McIntosh. Thank you. There's a, uh, a thing that's going on, and um, you buy tickets online in advance or at the door. It's called the Truth Conference in Sarasota. It's the third annual, and um, anyway, it's got some speakers you may or may not have heard of, but uh, uh, why Christians should be involved in government. Can Islam and Christianity coexist? All kinds of things they talk about. God and self-evident truths in the Declaration. So that's something that interests you right here. I'll leave that over on the uh, pulpit, and you can take a look at that later. And um, uh, it should be a, a, a good conference. It's, they've done this three years in a row, and so uh, they've got it down pat, and uh, I think uh, it's something you probably enjoy. So uh, now we got to get into the book of Romans, and we're in Romans one twenty-seven today. So let me turn there, and you can go ahead and read, Jim. Yes. In the same way, the men who abandon natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust with one another, men committed indecent acts with other men, Received in themselves new version. Okay, um, I'll read the NI, New King James also. Well, likewise, the man leaving the natural use of the women burned in lust for one another. Talked about the women last week, men now this week. Men with men committing that which is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Obviously, it's just, I don't even need to get into the, the comments yet to, to say that this is just one of how many verses in the New Testament which say that it is not an Old Testament thing that God was upset at. He is right. constantly upset at this type of thing. It is something that uh, uh, we had, uh, what was it, the prophecy update on Sunday, the uh, 
a retiring bishop from Wales said, oh, it's okay to be gay in uh, the church now. And that was the last thing he said as he's retiring. And I thought, you know, what a way to go out. I'm going to smear this in God's face one last time. It's just like they're, they're, they, they want to build a diving board so that when they get tossed in the lake of fire, they can do, you know, jumps off of it on the way down or something. I don't understand the thought process of these people that they would test God like this. But anybody that can read this and, and not come to the obvious conclusion, and they say, you know, I've heard people say, well, there's no real word for homosexuality in the Greek. Well, even if that were true, which it's not, there is a way of explaining it. Exactly. There are words which explain the process. You don't, even if there's no word to describe something in the world, you can describe, uh, yeah, that describes the concept. You can get other words to describe what you want to say. You can always do that. And they've done that right here. So it's just... The the Greek culture. The Greek culture. That's right. And they had to have a word for it. Yeah, it, it, well, and they did. It's just that people will make up any lie and they twist the Bible. And people will take those commentaries, not because they make any sense at all, but because they can now say, my guilt is relieved by mm-hmm. by listening to this person that says it's okay. And they, they have blinded themselves exactly as Paul had said earlier in those verses. So... Um, uh, I, I had a point on that that I was going to make, and I can't remember. But anyway, the last uh, verse in this chapter says they heartily approve. You know, that, that's right. They heartily approve of these things. That's exactly right. So I'll give you my comments from, uh, uh, you know, my uh, what I have submitted online, and just kind of talk through it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just I don't know what's been in my throat for the past five days, but it's still there. Um, again, as in one twenty-six, Paul uses a word for men which indicates males. He's being very precise here. What he will speak of uh, concerns acts of debauchery and perversion in which males go against the natural order. What is normal and right with man is excluded in his thoughts here. Likewise, is speaking about what he stated concerning the females in verse 26, and he now applies that same logic to the males. That's why he says in um, verse 27, likewise also the men. He talked about the women doing this and then the men. I know what I was going to say. Um, a person that uh, I'm friends with uh, sent me a book that she wrote, and it's uh, I won't give the name of it without her permission, although she's published it and she wants it to get out, but I'm reviewing it right now for her, and it's very short, or I wouldn't have done it, because I don't have time to read books, but it's, it's, it's very short, and it's her journey out of lesbianism. And so, uh, you know, it, it's something that can be done. It is something that is normal. I had another person call me um, over the past couple days, and although it's not uh, lesbianism, it's a guy that's transitioning from a guy into a girl, and she she's talking to him. He says he's a safe Christian, and on and on, and she says, how do I talk to him? And first off, the Word of God tells about these type of things, what is right and what is wrong. The conscience bears witness against it as well. But I gave her a couple pointers as I said, you know, suppose he said, one of his arguments was that you don't know me as a man, and as a man I was violent and I was, I was angry all the time. And I told her, just ask him, do you think that you are any different because your physical body has suddenly changed? I, am I going to be any different if I get tattoos all over my body? I'm, I'm exactly the same brain, I'm just in a different body now, okay? There's no difference at all in what this person is doing. He's trying to escape from himself, and it's not going to happen because he is himself. 
Um, you know, I had a couple other things that I, I told her to do, and we talked about it for a while. Uh, one of the arguments with homosexuality, and I'll get into that one right now, is that um, a person does not need to have sex. And I told her this story. I listened to a lady, that uh, a Christian lady, who speaks for people that have sexual problems. And um, she uh, uh, said, my husband got in an accident, and he couldn't anymore. Okay? And she thought, oh, my life is over. It's so terrible. And then finally she realized, she said, I'm not going to die from not having sex. If this is what the Lord has ordained, then that's what it is. You know? You may have urges, but you don't necessarily have to act on your urges. And so it is a complete red herring to say that I was born this way and therefore I should act out this way. And you can take that to any logical extreme you want. You can say, okay, this person says that he was born a pedophile and he has a right to do anything with any child of any age. And although that is going to becoming more normal in the world, right now nobody would agree with that, right? It, it is completely irrelevant what you think that you were born with. It is completely irrelevant what you think that you must do because in the end, you will not die from not doing it. And if it is morally wrong, then you are accountable for what you are doing. So you have to get people to think through these type of things. Another thing is legality. We have now in the United States of America said that this perversion and this perversion and this perversion are legal, okay? And so people say, well, see, it's okay. And the one thing that you can ask them is say, is slavery okay? And they'll say, no, of course not. That used to be legal. You're saying that it was, it's okay to be a homosexual now, and so, because the law says it's okay, so why are you demanding reparations from me when it was legal? It was okay back then. And the society, that is saying that society directs morals. And that's what we talked about, uh, I, I don't know, maybe uh, eight or 10 or 15 verses ago, is that there are different places that people say morals come from. The guy that says that I need to do this thing because I was born this way is saying, in essence, morals are mores. They are my personal mores, and I can act them out. That's where my morals come from. The people that say that it's legal to be a homosexual are saying that society is the one that decides morals. In each step of the process, you can find fault in it. Is it culture? Okay, because culture is not always society. You can say, well, culture determines morals. Well, what happens when a culture comes in and has a battle with this culture and they take the women and they do what they don't want with the women of the people that have this culture? Well, obviously, the stronger culture therefore dictates and you have no right to question our morals because you see what I'm saying. Cultures dictate morals. And there's all these different places that people try to lick their finger and put their finger up in the wind and decide my morals come from this place. In the end, morals come from God. They only come from God. And because they only come from God, we need to determine which God. We need to decide, is there one true God or are there several gods? Are there multiple gods? Or is the Bible wrong and Islam correct? And that's why we have to determine these things. It's because it's easy to say I'm a Christian and I don't accept what the, the Quran says. But if you've never read the Quran, then you're making the same category mistake that Muslims make when they reject the Bible. Okay? They have... Their culture, they have their uh, writings, which they hold as sacred, whether they are or not. And for you to say, well, the, the Bible is the obvious and revealed truth of God, and they say, no, it's not, then you need to come to a resolution and study that and to 
be able to logically defend your faith. That would go to the book of Peter, where it says that we, you know, uh, everybody should uh, be able to give a uh, reason, for the reason for the hope that they have in them. Thank you. And so this is something that we are required to do. That's why we come to Bible studies. That's why we do these things. But it's also smart to, if you don't read the Quran, at least read what the Quran says and read it from a good apologist that has studied it and compared it to a moral God, okay? And the reason why is because, as I've said, in a, uh, certainly during prophecy updates and maybe during this class, is that the God of Islam changes. There can be no change in God, and we've talked about this. As a matter of fact, somebody emailed me. I said that there's no change in the Holy Spirit. and He, he emailed me. He says, well, how do you defend that? And the fact is that if God is God, he created time, and therefore any change in him would imply that he was in the time that he created. And he's not. He is outside of time, okay? He interacts with time through the second member of the Trinity in his humanity, not in his deity, okay? He is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever in uh, Hebrews 13, 8, 13, 8, okay? He doesn't change in his deity, I, the Lord your God, do not change. That's from, uh, what is it, Malachi. All right, Malachi 4, I believe. So God does not change. He does not have any change in him at all, except through the second member of the Trinity on his human side, okay? And that's why we can say that Jehovah of the Old Testament has these seeming changes in him. It's because he is God incarnate. He's just revealing himself in a limited way until, how do we know this? I, I got to back up because somebody's going to say, "Well, what, what are you talking about? Did the Lord Jehovah, capital L O R D, walk up to Abraham?" The Bible says yes. It says he walked up to Abraham. He also wrestled with Jacob by the river. He also appeared to the parents of uh, um, uh, Samson when you know when they uh, were given the birth announcement that they would have a child. All right. He appeared in bodily form. So we know that Jehovah of the Old Testament can and does appear. He is the eternal Christ, in other words. And so we have what Islam does not have, because Islam says that God is a monad. There's one God. Well, if he's that one God and he changes and he's vindictive in the Bible and he actually takes out his wrath on people in a vindictive manner rather than a just and holy and righteous manner, then it's not the God of the creation. It is a false God. And that's how you determine things, is understanding what other religions put forth. Uh, as far as, hello, how are you? Do you know that you are out in the uh, Atlantic Ocean right now, swirling towards uh, the U.S.? Yes, there is a, uh, there's another hurricane out there named Nicole. Yes, so we have two of them out there. I was waiting for you to come in to let you know that you're causing trouble out there. So, um, yeah, she's very scary. She's very scary. So this is, these are the things that we need to do um, as far as, uh, and I'll get off of this now and get back into this first, but uh, how do you determine if Hinduism is true or not? How do you determine if Buddhism is true or not? These are important things because for you to make an argument against homosexuality and to say that this is morally wrong must come from somewhere. And another culture that does not look... Here's a good example is uh, in Thailand, and uh, uh, they, they call them billy boys, but they, they've always tolerated these people that were deviants, okay? May not be legal according to law, I have no idea, but they just kind of laugh them off. Just like, you know, in the, uh, before this big movement came about, 
people would say, you know, the movie Le Cage Full and all of these gay movies, you just kind of, they were off in their own thing and they were looked at as an abnormal part of society and people just, they left them alone, okay? But there are people that know that it is morally wrong and it should not be a part of the greater society, okay? Now, the greater society has said that these things are normal, okay? And that comes from a rejection of the true God. All right. So that's what I'm trying to say to you is that you can determine these things based on the culture, based on the religion, based on, you know, the uh, the society. Where did they derive their morals from? And then you need to be able to tell them where that is faulty in thinking. Anyway, going back to the notes here, um, uh, these males, because you use the term males, these males whose mental state has fallen to the basis form of depravity. And yes, I'm saying this. And if somebody uh, was listening to this, they'd probably have YouTube shut it down. This is an analysis. Well, I'm just saying that nowadays you say anything against this agenda and somebody is there to say, you can't say that in public. And it is our right. This is our Christian right to defend why we believe what we believe. And when Paul says that this is a base uh, thing that people are doing, I have a right to say it. But that's what I'm saying is eventually this kind of stuff will not be on the internet anymore. They will not tolerate this at all. So we have to be prepared for it. And now that the Internet has moved from the United States of America authority to some dubious little nonprofit group, then eventually it is going to be assumed or assumed or whatever the word is by the United Nations, and all of this is going to end. You might as well get your theology now because it, you're not going to be getting it very soon except from reading the Bible yourself, and it's a big, complicated book unless you have people that are willing to go online and there's – good teachers all over the place, and we've got churches that have great pastors that are willing to teach you these things. Pretty soon, it's not going to happen anymore. And I don't know how long that's going to be, but look at what has happened in the past two years. We've done 149 prophecy updates now. And when I started those, I would never have even said the things that we just take a second, you know, just secondhand talk now. And I wouldn't have even spoken those words. You know, what was it, a week ago, I, I couldn't say what a person was doing in public, right? So I had to talk around it. And uh, it was so appalling to Sergio and Rhoda when they were listening, because they're going to Italy in uh, uh, a couple weeks. They're going to go there for a, uh, an anniversary present. Or was it a birthday present? It was a birthday present, yeah. They're, no, it's not. She, she did get it. But they're going over there. And... Uh, they, they, they were so appalled by it, they actually thought that maybe it was a false article, and they went online to see if it was true, and sure enough, it was a mail online and telegraph and independent, and all the way down, they read all these articles that, sure enough, this is something that now is legal in Italy, which people wouldn't even, they would not have spoken this in public two years ago. So we are going so quickly, and our rights are going to be taken away so quickly that we will not believe it. We're not going to believe it. And it's going to happen a lot quicker if things don't go right in November. Trust me on this, okay? Um, these males, uh, they've, uh, uh, the basis form of depravity, they leave the natural use of the woman. Well, that's pretty clear right there, the natural use. Like I said, you don't even need a word to describe it. You just say that this is natural and then anything else is unnatural. unnatural. Thank you. Great class here. It is not normal. It is. Do you remember young Frankenstein? When he said, uh, whose brain did you put in? He says, oh, Abby somebody or another. And he said, Abby who? He said, Abby normal. He said, you put an abnormal brain in my monster? Anyway, so, there, yeah, it was, uh, and yes, I watched the one on TV, so all of the stuff was pulled out of it. I actually watched the original on uh, DVD a while ago, and I had to stop it because there's a lot of words that are not in the TV version of that. But um, 
Uh, it was a very funny part. It was uh, with Marty Feldman. He was. I can do a Marty Feldman. Um, did you see him? Igor, did everybody see that movie? And he was hunched over? Oh, he had the hunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do this. You're not going to believe this. I can make a hunch. Okay? I know this is a Bible class. I, I, I know this is a Bible class, but I want to prove that I can make a Marty Feldman hunch without makeup. Okay? Watch this. Abby Normal. See? There you go. I'm Abby Normal. I can make a double one, too. You want? Here. These, these are my wings. Here. You talk about abnormal. That's Charlie Garrett. And anybody that's watching streaming online right now is turning off their TV. Um, Anyway, I don't know what it is, but I've always been able to do it. I can do some great things with my ears. I can do something with my tongue. We'll do it afterward. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. Um, Let me show you one more because everybody try this. Seeing as how we're having a Bible class, this is probably important to try. Okay. Put your hands behind you like this, because people online want to see this too. All right. Now, what I want you to do, I mean backward. But okay. Now, I want you to take and pull your arm through, and I want you to push your elbow through. Okay. And then I want you to pull it over your head. There. Okay. Can anybody do that? No. Okay. There you go. All right. We'll get back to the Bible now. But everybody online can try it too. So you know, I I, I want to share the blessings. Okay. Um, she said I was going to learn something. You learned something. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, okay. So we'll get back to the class here. Um, uh, neither a rocket scientist nor a specialist in anatomy is needed to determine what the different sexual organs of the male and female are meant for. Like the knowledge of God, it is self-evident. It is the deviant who shuns this knowledge and goes about using their parts in an inappropriate manner. Okay? People don't want to hear that nowadays, but it is inappropriate. And we have to be able to say, I am not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to allow this in my life. And I, I said, you need to make choices. You need to say, what do I believe? Because someday one of you is going to have a child or a grandchild come up to you and say, I've come out. How are you going to respond to that? You need to know now because it's getting more and more prevalent and you can say that's oh, not going to happen in my family it happened in a lot of good Christian families so uh, that's you remember we had somebody down here visiting a, a year ago that was having the same issue so um, uh, anyway it is not only do they act out their abnormal thoughts but they actually burn in their lust for one another as he says verse uh, 27 again likewise the men also leaving the natural use of the women burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful. So they're burning with one another. Um, excuse me. One more thing I'm going to tell you. Just if you see me do that, like during the prophecy update, I always have to stop and breathe about once. Uh, I've got a collapsed esophagus. And that's, that's I, when I... putting your arms over your head. Yeah, maybe put my arms over my head. But anyway, I, I, there's, yeah, there's a point where the air gets like bound up in there and I have to stop and breathe. And when I'm eating, it gets... Well, you've seen it when I when I eat, I think, but... Um, uh, no, okay, anyway, so Hedico won't let me sit down at the table without a glass of water, ever. And I'll say, I don't need it today, and sure enough, she's always right, but it's a pride thing. Anyway, um, but it, it happens with breathing, too, where it just it, my, my esophagus finally closes, and I've got to... Eh, whatever. Um, let's see here. So uh, the verb translated as burned is the Greek word... Uh, Exikalthesin. That's it. Uh, This is the only time that it's used in the Bible. And it is in a way, which means an aorist indicative passive, that indicates that these people were set ablaze. 
in their passions. In other words, it is as if somebody took a, a, uh, a gas and threw it on them and then just lit it, and they just set themselves ablaze. Okay, what we have seen is the morally depraved downward spiral as men reject God. When he is completely turned away from, there is nothing left but a total consuming of the individual in a mental state which is acted out in that which is contrary to nature. Paul describes this mental, physical state as men with men. Like the females in verse 26, these males have committed the ultimate act of what is shameful, and yet because they have departed so far from normal and right thinking, they continue on in their vile actions. Paul says that because of this, they receive in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. This penalty comes from uh, the fact that God gave them up to their vile passions of verse 26. This is what one would term judicial abandonment, okay? And that's what um, MacArthur talked about in the, uh, uh, that I, I mentioned him, he did a sermon that the people asked me about, and he had talked about judicial abandonment. But, as I said, I took you to um, uh, Ephesians, and judicial abandonment does not mean that God actively abandons us. It means that he allows us to make the choice. And I took you to that verse in Ephesians where this same concept is said, but it says that the people chose to do these things. So judicial abandonment does not mean that he is actually actively coming against us. Now, that will happen because nature itself will re rebel against uh, perversion. We see that in AIDS. We see that in, uh, um, you know, I have no problem believing that um, judgment comes through nature, like storms. I, I have no problem believing that, especially after reading, um, what is it, Eye of the Storm, uh, who is it, Walter uh, Koenig, uh, the, the, the guy, he's a, a correspondent at the White House, and he's an author, and um, I think the book is Eye of the Storm, and he documented that every one of the most expensive um, cataclysms in America for the past how many years, he documents each one of them happened within like one or two days of us signing something against Israel. And 9-11 happened with the same thing. And wow. Hurricane Andrew, and he went through every single one of them, and he was very methodical. And it, it, it's it, it, read the book if you haven't. You'll be interested in it. And it shows that we... God knew that these things were going to happen. Like I say, he doesn't take his finger and do this and make a hurricane and come hit us. He knew the logical progression of the things that we would do before he created anything, and that storm was predestined to come and hit because we are working against his people, Israel. Okay, and I have a feeling that that also happens with nature as well. But we have to be careful with that. Remember that um, prophecy update a while ago where the, the pastor said, well, God brings judgment on homosexuals through nature uh, in order to punish them. And guess what? His house was destroyed during that last uh, Louisiana flood. So it is may be true, but it does not mean that we are exempt from it. Book of Habakkuk will tell you about that. You know, why do the righteous suffer? And, you know, why does somebody that's less righteous than me, well, maybe they're not less righteous than you, or maybe God is judging you because you've allowed this into your country. And so, once again, back to uh, where we are in this nation as far as perversion, as far as what decisions we make in one aspect of our society that affects every other aspect of our society. We have to be careful, and we can never take God out of the equation on anything whether it's a political vote or whether it is a, uh, uh, a movement of the people to enact a uh, uh, you know, constitutional amendment, okay, which goes beyond politics. It goes to the masses of the people. God is watching. Okay, yes? Old Testament, any time the leader 
disobeyed God. That's right. The people suffered yes. with the leader. With the leader. And that is something that people don't want to hear about. And I actually have had people uh, leave Bible classes because I said, listen, I, America is under judgment because of what we're doing. And I said, I believe that 9-11 was a judgment. And I think Tom knows who I'm talking about. Guy never came to class again. He, he was full on America. Well, I'm full on America too, but I got to tell you what, when we're wrong, we're wrong. You know, I talked about Massachusetts in the Prophecy Update last week, and I thought, you know, maybe there's people that watch in Massachusetts, because there are quite a few of them, and they didn't like to hear that. You know, they're a part of Massachusetts, and they are a part of that system. And, you know, I'm a part of America. Even if I don't agree with what's going on, the people will suffer through the leader's decisions. And this homosexual agenda is a political party's agenda. And unfortunately, we get into the world, and we see people that don't pay attention. They vote for a person because of the skin color, or they vote for a person because of what they can get in their wallet at the end of the month, thinking that they're going to benefit more from that party. They've got it set up where we are bringing ourselves down because of these type of issues. And morality is the issue. Outside of Israel, it is the issue. Morality involves everything. It involves abortion. It involves homosexuality. It involves same-sex marriage. And it goes on and on and on. Outside of Israel in today's modern world, homosexual I'm sorry, morality is the issue that is on God's mind as far as how he is going to judge this nation. So it, it, it's just a fact. We can't separate and say, I'm going to do this part of my life and I'm not going to be active in this part of my life. And you wouldn't believe how many people are that way. They just they want to disassociate one part from another and it is not appropriate. Because God makes us accountable for every moral decision we make. Yes. So many Christians just like I'm either not voting or Hillary's not there. Yeah, it, 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 they have not paid attention. They have it's not like, paid attention. And that's what I'm saying is, that's why it's so important to understand these concepts, whether it's Islam or whether it is LGBT or whatever else, and be able to defend it. And like I said, those few arguments I gave you, I talked with that lady on the phone for probably 30 minutes or maybe less, but we talked it through and she kept bringing up this point and this point and I tried to give her a rational response for each one of them because this guy thinks that transitioning is okay in the eyes of the Lord. And she said, I've called on Jesus my Lord and Savior. And I said, you know what he may have done and you need to bring this up to him is go to Galatians chapter one because there are true Jesuses and there are false Jesuses. And this guy may think that he is called on the true Jesus, but unless he <laughs> understands who this is, he is God incarnate and this is his word and he isn't disassociated from his word. Mm -hmm. The word that he speaks reveals who he is. And if he doesn't appreciate that, then he hasn't called on the true does Jesus. God make mistakes? So, the what? Yeah, God does not make mistakes. So apparently he was not a mistake. That's, and that's, I think she brought that up to him. She, she brought that up to him. He's not a mistake. That's exactly right. So um, you may have things in your head, but guess what? Charlie Garrett's got all kinds of things in his head that I would love to act on. I would love to. Uh, who's the guy? Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee. Said, I, I'm going to misquote it, but Tom, Tom told me that he, in his writing, said, you know, if people knew what I thought and the things that I did, uh, not that I did, but the things that I thought about doing, they would not even come to my church. And here's this great preacher who's written all kinds of commentaries, and you think, oh, that's not true. It is true. Just because you sit in this chair instead of that chair doesn't mean I'm any different than anybody else. I have these thoughts in my mind all the time. I just don't act on them, Right. There, but there are times where maybe you're going to snap and then you act on them and then you're you know, in jail and you brought disgrace on the name of the Lord. So we have to keep ourselves in check and it's a hard walk to follow. 
but it's the right one. He added, if I knew you like you know you, I wouldn't be up here talking to you. That's right. If you, that's exactly right. And then the, 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 the one that is so true. It is so true. And it, it's it demeaning to people, though. But it is true is that, you know, people say, well, I'm not happy in this church. I'm going to go to another church. And, well, if you're looking for the perfect church and you find it, don't join it because you'll ruin it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so um, Paul says that because they have, uh, 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 because of this, they have received, and I've, I said that, the uh, penalty of the error which was due. Um, uh, where was I? I I'll, I'll continue on. This penalty comes, uh, yeah, this is what one would term judicial abandonment. Instead of active prosecution of the sin, God in essence removes himself from the equation and allows nature to take its course. But once again, that's based on free will. We saw that in Ephesians. So judicial abandonment is a correct premise, but we have to understand it in its full sense, is that God allows us to cause ourselves to fall under uh, condemnation. Can we help you, ma'am? Little smile there. Well, you, you, you walk away from God and you leave the hedge of protection. That's right. When you walk away from God, you leave the hedge of protection. And this is the example that I gave that guy that asked about the Holy Spirit not changing. And I've given it here before, but it's good to remember. God doesn't change. And how do we say, well, what about, you know, it says that the Holy Spirit is grieved. And as I said, if you have a column and it's here, it's fixed, it's unchanging, it will never move. But we move in relation to it. I'm on the right side of the column and everything is okay. I go on this side of the column and everything isn't okay. We have to, when God writes things in the Bible, he writes them for our perspective so that we can understand. It's not for him. He doesn't learn anything. He doesn't need to learn anything. He knows everything. But the the terms that we read in the Bible are from our perspective. Like I said, the example that will help you, and I think I said it in this class on a, about the sun, Okay, I did say it, so I don't need to repeat it. But um, uh, anyway, okay, um, let's see here. If what is natural and ordained by God leads to life, then what is unnatural and opposed to him will lead to death. Obviously, change from this side of the column to this side of the column. God didn't change, and yet we go from life to death, okay? Diseases such as AIDS are the inevitable result of such perversion. I don't care if the CIA developed AIDS or not, okay? People say they did. It didn't come from Africa at all. Regardless, irrelevant, who does it target? Homosexuals. Absolutely. Now, women are known to get it because they have contact with men that have had contact with men, but it is almost exclusively a homosexual disease. It is also transmitted through blood. You know, when somebody gets stuck with a needle, poor nurse, you know, things like that happen, but this is something that has targeted a segment of society, and it is not unique. So even if the CIA developed it, not intending for homosexuals to die, but for whatever reason, it is not unique, because in ancient Greece, the people had a, they had exactly what you were saying before. Men were known to have a wife, but they also had a boy. They had, you know, this the society set up doing these things that Paul is writing about. And in ancient Greece, they got a disease, and you can read about it online, the disease that uh, wiped out Athens, I think it is. And it's described in minute detail how these people died, but the whole place died. They, they, they were burning up with water. They drank so much water, and they could not feel satisfied with the water. They were literally burning up in heat, and people were dying in wells because they just dump it and jump in to try to cool themselves down. And it, it was God's way of judging what they were doing. 
okay? And th there's no doubt about it. And this isn't the only one in society. There are other times that God's judgment has come through diseases specifically targeted at certain people. One of them has been going on in California. It's been very hush-hush, and I was going to put in a prophecy update, and I didn't. It came back again, but um, it is... Um, I think I, I mentioned it, but I didn't get into the detail, and then I was going to bring it up later, but it's something in California right now that is only only targeting homosexuals, okay? And yes, and I'll find it, and uh, it was a while ago, and things get old, and they get, you know, lost, and so I don't add it in, but... This is, this is what happens in society. We think we're going to cure this disease and another one will crop up right behind it because we are mocking God with the things that we do. Um, throughout history, when homosexuality becomes prevalent in a society, the incidence of plagues targeted at the offenders arise. Venereal diseases mutate as the unnatural habits spread and very quickly they take over the entire population. Along with these obvious signs are those which need to be seen from a wider angle. Anybody? Mental, right? Mental problems. Who is it that has all of the mental problems? LGBT people are like 98% higher than even the next category of mental uh, issues. So people that are doing deviant things commit suicide more. They have more mental problems. They have more dysfunctional family problems. What else? Uh, mental problems. Um, um, let's see here. Where was I? Mental problems, shortened lifespans. Societal conflicts, etc., all re result from the entry and acceptance of homosexuality into a culture. And we're right there. We're right there with these things right now. These are the penalty of the error which was due. All right? And I'm so thankful to read this girl's book that it, like I said, is very short. And after I make my corrections and send them back to her, which I have just a few so far, and it won't be long before I'm done, I hope that she will have it, uh, you know, corrected. She's sending it to other people as well, and then she'll publish it. And hopefully somebody will say, I'm willing to at least read this. I mean, it, it won't take long. I read one page of a book a day outside of the Bible. That's how adamant I am about not getting another thing. So yeah, I just don't have time to read books. But this one is short. I'll be done with it. And it may be 20 pages, 20 days. But um, uh, it, on every page, she talks about her deliverance. And she quotes scripture accurately. And she gives God Gloria all the time, consistently. And uh, I'm, I'm very thankful to read this particular book. And um, uh, I hope that it will get out and it will change some people's minds because it's not a normal thing. It is an abnormal thing. And they're being taught in society right now that it is a normal thing. And all that's going to do is cause more mental problems. It's going to cause more children to be that four-year-old I mentioned two weeks ago says he wants to be a girl. And so the parents are going to have him transgendered at four years old. That person's life is done. It's crazy. Know that at four without being they can't. Forced. And you know what? All of a sudden, this will be in maybe this week or next week's update as far as the numbers of these things are growing exponentially, right? What does that tell you? That it's society-driven because these things were never talked about in the past, ever. And all of a sudden... Four years old is going to even... No. And when they did, what did you do? You spanked them and put them in the corner and said, okay, now come out and have dinner. Right? Now you can't spank them, you can't put them in the corner, and you have to feed them dinner whether they're good or bad. So we don't have any control over our children anymore. And it's sad because we're ruining the next generation and we are heading directly into the end times. But I'm happy about this book. I hope it will touch some people. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, societal conflicts, etc., all result from the entry and acceptance of, I said that, homosexuality into a culture. The most egregious part of what occurs, though, is the purposeful blaming of God for their penalty, right? As if he were mean or capricious. 
AIDS comes out, and what do people do? They say, oh, God, God's, you know, he's an unfair God or whatever. They blame the God that they don't believe in, that has told them not to do these things. It, it, it makes no sense at all, but they purposely blame God. They come against him, all right? Uh, rather, they are getting what they deserve by acting in a manner contrary to normalcy. Thus, even their concept of right and wrong about judgment is convoluted. Okay, a little life application before we go on. How many times do we see people, even within the Christian community, who blame God for adversity? It happens all the time. However, the opposite is usually not the case. Life, food, friends, income, etc. are all looked at as deserved, and thanks are not forthcoming. Let us be quick to be thankful to God for every good blessing and slow to blame or show anger when adversity comes. How many people are going to lose their house in the next 24 hours here in America? I don't know. But we'll say that it does make landfall and there's a giant swath of ruined houses. How many of those people are actually going to say the Lord's will be done? How many of those people are going to say, well, God, why did he allow this to happen to me? Have you been giving him the praise that he's due? Have you been going to church and learning his word? Have you been worshiping with other people? Have you been down at the projects helping people that have a need? Doing something other than living for yourself, right? We blame God easily. We don't thank him very very quickly at all, do we? You know, I'm not talking to you personally. I'm talking about people in general. What? Job. Oh, boy. I, I'm glad you brought up Job. Let's just go there really quickly. Job, just chapter one. This is a guy... If you think of people that, um, why am I going in that direction? If you think of people that um, um, have problems in this world, and we all have problems. Uh, how did he handle it? I'm just going to go very quickly. He was a man in the land of uh, Uz. His name was Job. Blameless, upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Four, four traits. Okay, seven sons, three daughters. Possessions, real quickly, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that he was the greatest man in all of the East, okay? His sons would go and party, and he'd, uh, they'd invite their sisters, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, okay? And um, uh, when the days of their uh, feasting had run its course, he'd get up and he'd sacrifice, he'd sanctify them, because he uh, said, uh, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. So he's giving God praise all through the good times. He's tending to the needs as the priest of the family before they had uh, uh, you know, a, a different way of approaching God. Obviously, he's outside of the covenant people, and he's before the, uh, the uh, law of Moses. He is the priest of the family. All right? Um, and then, you know, Satan steps in, and he decides he wants to attack Job. And um, he, he accuses, basically, God. Uh, where is it? Verse 9, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. He says, stretch out your hand and touch all these that he has, and he will surely curse you to his face. He's challenging God about the righteousness of Job. Okay, how many of us are going to be challenged in the same way? I have no idea. All I know is that when the ball drops for any one of us individually, we have to be willing to stick it out. And I know a person within this church right now that has gone through a very difficult two years, maybe three, and he has stuck it out faithfully. And I tell you what, he is an example to every person I know. He's a wonderful person. So um, not everybody's going to do that, though. Um, all right, and so, uh, you know, they, they, the day they're feasting and they're having their, uh, the children are feasting and people came and 
they got the oxen, they took away the servants, you know, the fire from God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep, and while he's still speaking, um, another servant came in and told him that uh, uh, they took the servants with and killed them with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you, and all these great things happened, verse 19, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. All of his children were killed just like that. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right? And so it goes on from there. The, the whole sentence. Oh, yeah, 22. Oh, go ahead, read it. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Absolutely. He did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And what happens later? He's stuck with a wife that nags him. I mean, of all the punishments, no offense, ladies, but he's, 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 God did not take the one thing that could be a thorn in his side, if you see that. That wasn't an intentional slam at women, okay? I, I didn't mean it that way. But he didn't take her, and yet she is like a thorn because she's a nagging wife. And so, I mean, that, if you think about it, that really is a torture because he's lost his children, he's lost everything else, he's trying to hold on to his integrity, and the one person that should be there at his side is not. And so it's an, actually an extra burden. So, um, but he did not impute wrongdoing to the Lord. And we have to be ready for that because it is so easy to do. I mean, it is so easy to do. I almost did it. I, I almost didn't do that. I, I was going to say that on um, uh, Tuesday when my dog went into a seizure, and this is the one dog that I really love, I, he'd go, I said, she's dying. And she goes, no. And I said, it's okay. As long as she doesn't have pain, I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't want to see her suffer, but it's okay. I'm not going to impute wrongdoing to the Lord over something like that. It's his dog, right? Anyway, it didn't die, but it did get my finger. Boy, was that bad. Wow. That was, it was very bad for a couple days, but, uh, you know, wow. she seized and grabbed my finger with her teeth like eight times in a half a second. It was, and oh, it was as big as a balloon, but, um, uh, she's okay right now, but we got to see if she's going to make it, but it's dog. And I'm sorry if it's my child, I am not going to tell the Lord you have done wrong by taking my son or my daughter or my wife or anything else. It's, he is sovereign. Yeah, and when, if that ever happened, that is See? that's right that's why I, that could happen to someone could happen so to all of us somebody else would see their faith come to the Lord because that's right that's right well I'll give you an example of what you just said which is it's a little different but it's something that happened to Tom and I out on the the mission field about a year and a half ago you talk about a testimony to change somebody's perspective and it's exactly what you're talking about is that we have two children that used to walk around with us. The mother would let them co go with us. And uh, uh, the father had cancer, and eventually we came up, and he died that morning, or actually that night. And um, uh, they said, well, we still want to go out with you today. And so we walked around, and there was um, uh, uh, one lady that was, she was having a bad day, and she was standing there. She was nagging about the bad day and how everything was against her. And she was, remember this, Tom? And this boy, I don't want to give the names out. I'm, that's why I keep stopping this, because I want to make sure I don't give out the names. But this boy's eight years old, maybe. And he said, can I pray for you? Uh, and she said, okay. And he prayed. And then afterward, he stepped over somewhere. And I said to her, you know, his dad died last night. She lost it. 
And I tell you what, that changed her life. She said, here I'm worried about all of my problems, and this little boy wants to pray for me. And that, what an eye-opener. So, you know, we are a testimony, especially in our most difficult times. But imagine that, a little boy saying that she needed prayer more than he did. He just lost his dad, and he, he took it very hard. I mean, a couple weeks later, he was almost in rebellion. But, you know, it was just one of those things that he saw he a need. Him in a while. No, well, yeah, I know, but they're, they're, uh, they go through troubles, too, and so we will see him again. But, uh, you know, they just, it, 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 everything is dysfunctional in the projects, and Jim knows that, Tom knows that. And so sometimes people just kind of disappear for a while. There's pressures from family. There's, you know, sometimes a whole family will move into a house and, you know, the people have their house and now they got this family they have to take care of, which is something that happened to somebody recently. And there's all kinds of pressures down there that we don't understand because we don't live in that type of uh, environment. But you have to be empathetic with them to a point and uh, try to get them to understand that there is another way. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, 128. Oh, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Okay, very close, so I'm not going to read, read it again. Um, in this verse, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul shows that the responsibility for what has occurred lies solely with the wickedness of man and his rejection of God. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, is referring back to man's unwillingness to give thanks or praise, which is verses 20 through 23, where he said, excuse me, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So they, they are rebelling against God, and uh, because of this rejection, these things came about. The word like is the Greek word edokimasan, which means to put to the test. In their minds, they put God to the test of their own moral compass, which we talked about earlier, and found that they wanted to do things without him. They put him to the test, and they said, well, this is what God expects of me because their conscience is telling them that. They said, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to allow that to affect my personal mores and my <laughs> desires, and I'm going to act on them rather than act on what I know is wrong. Okay? And just look around society. Look around society at... I was watching a, um, a uh, video today, and this comes to mind every time I see somebody that does something wrong. Is it right to steal from somebody else? Morally, we know it's not, right? So what do people do when they steal from somebody? Do they just walk up to the door, knock on the door, and say, I'm coming in, I'm going to take these things? No, they, they go in the cover of night, they come stealthily, they act in a manner which is completely contrary to the way that they normally would. And I saw a guy do this. He's a guy that came in. There was a guy getting into his car, and he came up behind him real sneaky, and he pounded on him, and he got in the car and drove away, right? One of those surveillance cameras got him. He knows that he's doing wrong. He knows that what he is doing is wrong, and it's mm -hmm. shameful. But he's going to push that out of his mind because getting the money for that car means more to him than this person's right to what he has earned, right? So... It, we have to actually put God to the test. Our minds have to come to a resolution where I say, I'm not going to listen to this anymore, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. 
okay? And because of this, God gave them over to a debased mind, it says. As a result of this, he then hands them over to their own wicked devices. The word for debased is the word adokimon, all right? Adokimon, I guess is probably more appropriate. Failing to pass the test. It is a different form of the same word which was mentioned above. They put God to the test and chose what they wanted rather than him, and so he gave them over to a failing of his test. Now, once again, he's not actively doing this. He has instilled in us, just like um, uh, somebody posted today, isn't it unusual that animals can always tell a uh, uh, baby of any other animal or of a human? They instinctively know it. There are things in us that are instinctive, that we know the monarch butterfly knows where to fly to down in Mexico, even though it's never been there and its parent has never been there, right? There are things that we know, and that is what's going on in this same process right here. They put God to the test, and he chose what, and chose what they wanted rather than him, and so he gave them over to a failing of his test. The uh, monarch butterfly says, I'm not going down to that place. I like staying here. And what does it do? It stays here, and it ends up dying. It never procreates it. I'm not saying that that would actually happen. I'm just giving an example. Is that it rebels against what it has instinctively in it? Okay. And um, what is the verse I'm thinking of right now? It does not. I'm I'm going to say it wrong. So anyway, um, they failed to test their moral perversion, which they willingly chose, has led to their mental perversion, which is the result of what they chose. So you go from the moral to the mental. All right. Morally, you know to do something. Now, mentally, your mind is twisted. And that's why people get to the point where they're at, where they say, it's okay. It's okay because, and they find all these other reasons, because they have now gone from a moral acceptance of whatever it is in that society to mentally saying, how do we justify this? Massachusetts went over that hill last week, and that one issue, California has gone over it 20 years ago, right? But this is what happens in a society, is that eventually the mental processes take over and they just completely accept things which are morally wrong moral to the mental Um, the penalty they received for their ungodliness is a penal infliction of judgment necessitated by his holiness keep thinking though this is not active it's not active God is not actively vindictive against people in this way he has instilled these things in us the judgment comes on us because we have failed the test which God has instilled in us or which God has given us in our hands. You know what? Not everybody has access to this word, but we have universals around the world where some things are not accepted, right? And it takes an active rejection of those things for a society to start to devolve to the point where they accept it. And then the next society does, and the next, and we're coming into the one world government where the whole world is going to be following the same path of all of these crazy things, global warming at the top of them probably, right? has nothing to do with reality, absolutely nothing to do with reality at all, okay? And yet, they, they, they talk about it. They were saying, I was reading an article, and this shows you, going from the moral to the mental. They had an uh, 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 article about Obama, who was talking to, um, who's the guy that was in the Titanic, who's the climate oh, guy yeah, now? yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Oh. DiCaprio. Yes. Thank you. And um, so DiCaprio and he were talking just between I the two of them. And they were they were confirming what they know is true. Yeah. Uh, untrue. They were confirming what they know is untrue because they've gone from the moral to the mental. And now they are actively speaking to each other as if this is reality. 
And this is what the whole world is being lined up for, which the Bible said was coming, by the way. Paul writes about it here. He writes about it later in his writings. It's coming in the book of Revelation, is that there is one path that we are following, and we get off of that path because our morals get skewed. We get away from God, and the next thing happens, and the next, and pretty soon people talk about it as if it's reality. And guess what? Hollywood beat us to this like eons ago in half the movies out there, where societies are walking around and they're talking about something like, and, you know, somebody comes from the future or from the past and they go up there and think, what are they talking about? It has nothing to do with reality. It's because people have completely gone from the moral to the mental and they can no longer discern anything which is right. They can't free do will. it. Free will. Free, 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 road. free will. The That's right. Off the cliff. This yeah. is the story of the off the right. cliff. Off the cliff. That's right. But you know what? You think about that free will. What did Jesus say about the past? Right? There's a narrow path. There's a, a mm. wide path. Yeah. Right? He's telling you right there that there's free will. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit's going to regenerate you to take the narrow path. It says these people choose. But, you know, the thing about this is just one of those things that you may not have considered. But think of this. When the Bible speaks of hell and it speaks of torment, it's, it, it, it gives the idea of closeness. It, absolutely hemmed in by where you're going. And yet the path to get there is very wide. So you're going from the wide to the narrow. But Jesus says that the path is narrow, but what does David say in the Psalms? Lead me out to the broad spaces. He's speaking about a place where you can stretch your arms and heaven is expansive and there's freedom everywhere you go. So you've got a narrow path to lead to the broad place, but you've got this broad path that takes you to a place which is confining, infinitely confining. It, it, it is interesting, is that it, it, the, the contrast between those two is so stark in the Bible. So next time, as you're going through the Bible reading it, Make mental notes of every time it speaks of the broad places, the wide spaces, and the narrow confines, and you will see that it's consistent about that. It's a wonderful concept. Anyway, um, let's see here. Where were we? Um, okay. Uh, um, yes, the debased mind, they have brought upon themselves results in doing those things which are not fitting. Okay, let me read that verse again. Um, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... They, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Once again, we've gone from the moral, we've gone to the mental, their mind is debased, and they're doing things which are not fitting. This fits in with politics really well, doesn't it? You guys are the ones that are always over there with that, and uh, you can see how the political spectrum is based on the, the moral decisions that we've made as a society. And I don't mean to in interject politics in this sense, but this is where it naturally leads. Mm -hmm. We've got one side which is trying to stay this off, and we've got another side which is already wholly abandoned to it. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen with this side, we don't know. But we know where this side is going. We know that if we follow that path, and this is the same as any culture and society in history, it's gone the same way. It's gone into chaos, breakdown, and ruin. And so... We'll just have to see where it goes. But you can see this in the agendas of each party. They've gone to the mental, and now they are completely consumed with things that aren't even real anymore. They, 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 and what is the problem? Now, let me ask you this before I go on. What is the problem with going to the mental concerning things like homosexuality and LGBT issues? Okay, Now you've gone from the moral, and you've, 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 you've hidden it. And the mental says that this is completely acceptable and it's completely normal. What the, what? the next step? Go ahead. Which would be pedophilia. Well, I'm thinking you're going down that path, but what about the opposite side? 
What about the opposite side? Yeah, the people that haven't followed that path. They're villains. They're villains. So you've gone to the mental to believe that they are the problem. And we're already seeing that in society right now. We're already seeing it. Canada is farther along than we are, as I noted last week. But now the people that believe in morals, that believe that their conscience is correct and they should not be doing these perverse things, have now become the enemy. And this follows the same path all throughout history. When you do what is morally right in a society which has gone from the moral to the mental, you are the enemy and you are to be exterminated. Two walls. Two walls. That's right. Two walls. That's exactly right. Oh, boy. So uh, it, it, it is a very, very sad situation, and it's something that I would hope that we would stay off because if we are rejecting God's uh, laws, moral laws, and we're rejecting his Christian people who hold on to these things, the next obvious thing is that we become a goat nation because not only are we working against God with Christians, we're going to work against God with his ultimate plan, which is Israel, all right? He's got them back in the land for a reason. Which countries will be goat nations? Which one will be sheep nations? How will they be judged? That's all coming in the world, and it's probably coming rather quickly. I wonder where America will stand in the days ahead. It looks like Britain, believe it or not, is going to stand with Israel. They have pulled out of the EU, and it looks like they are going to make the right stand. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but it looks that way. A lot of pressure not. A lot of pressure on them to not do it, and they've got a lot of really messed up people in England that will work against that. But in the end, they will probably, because of the decision they made a few months ago, be a sheep nation. And the rest of Europe looks like it's just going down one path. They're, they're, they're going down it, and they're going to be against Israel, and they will be judged. But, you know, it, we're going to have to see where all the, of this heads to. But, um, okay, um, nature, um, as we have seen, this corrupt attitude leads to the penalty of their error. Nature, which God created, actively works to eliminate what is unnatural through diseases and death. This shows the, righteous and, the righteousness and judgment of God in and through creation. If what he creates works in this way, then how much more sure will we be of his hand of judgment when we as humans stand before him? In other words, he has created nature to work in a certain way. When we rebel against that nature, what does it say in the the, uh, book of, uh, I'm not going to find it without, I'd have to have my iPad open, but it says that um, he's speaking about the shedding of blood in the land. It says, don't shed the blood in the land that you go to. For this reason, the nations that are there are being vomited out because blood, the the guilt of uh, bloodshed in a land heaps up until there's no remedy. And God has instilled in the the way that nature works to take care of things like that. And the one that I bring up, which, think of this now. Let's do this on the board right now, just as an example of thinking of God's judgment. Okay, we have 3,000. How many days are in a year? That's right, 365. So five times zeros. I, I, I don't know how to do this well, but we come to 30. Uh, five times three is 15. I'm sorry. So one five. I, I'm not good at math, and if somebody can do it quicker, that would be great. I add another zero here, and then one, two, three, and then six times three is 18. And then we add another two zeros here, and three times three is nine. So we go here, here, and then here, nine. Okay, nine. All right. And then zero, zero, zero. Five nine okay one uh, one oh nine okay now multiply that times four okay so we've got zero 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 um, four that, that's a five is it yes four times five is zero carry the two four times nine is um, 36, 37, 38, 8, 3. okay uh, 
Thirteen million eight hundred thousand. I think. I think I left. I did. I no, left off that zero. Four, 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 four million three hundred eight thousand. <coughs> oh, four million. There you go. Three hundred. Four million. Thank you. So I didn't leave off a zero. Four million three hundred eighty thousand. Okay. And I did that in my. Oh, good. Well, you're smarter than me. Oh, you've got a calculator there. Okay. I'm not really good at math unless I I have it laid out. Um, but what does that number number represent? That represents the election of Barack Obama four years ago, the re-election of him. 4,300,380,000 babies have been killed. Uh. 3,000 a day. And you don't think that blood heaps up in the land? Because if, if we repeat that, how many have we killed already? How many have we killed already? And they want to now make it mandatory that the government pays for it. If she wins, that will be one of her first agendas. Okay, I want you to understand that moral in decisions in a nation count. What's that? In late trimester. In late trimester, yeah, no rights in the womb at all. And I, I, I don't want to give it away, but I got something on this issue, maybe for the prophecy update, not this week, but the week after, which is appalling. I mean, this issue, but it is it is horrifying what England is talking. Not England, um, uh, Europe is talking about. Um, but that number right there represents our decision to re-elect that man four years ago. And blood heaps up in the land until there is no remedy, and God will find a way of destroying that land if they don't turn from it. That is all there is to it, and we have these choices to make. So, um, uh, did you have a calculator, you said? She did. Oh, yeah. good. It's Let's on see. my phone. Oh, cell phone. your cell phone. Well, I'm never going to have one of those. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, so it, there you go. But um, in this way, how much more sure will we be of his hand of judgment? If nature says that we do like this and nature will overthrow it in some way, how much more sure will we be when we stand before the Lord and we say, I did nothing about this issue. And that's why I say that in the prophecy update and people get so upset about that. Don't talk about voting. Don't talk about voting. That, that represents what we are going to be judged for because I didn't vote, which... Even I'm only one vote in America. If I don't vote as a human being against what is morally wrong, then I am actively participating in what is morally wrong. And so that's why it is so absolutely important for people to understand this issue. You cannot separate yourself from that number right there if you didn't vote. You cannot. Okay, now there are people that can't vote. There are children that can't vote. And you've got people that, you know, for whatever reason, they're here illegally or they're here. But if you have the ability to do so, you must do so. You must, because you will be held accountable for that. I believe every moral decision that we make on this planet in our lives will come under judgment. That's pretty close to the number of evangelical Christians that did not vote. Can you imagine that? What a slap in the face that is. What a good, good, good point there. Wow. Okay. Um, life application, and we'll go on. Um, we're going to have three verses today. Um, death entered the world through sin. Jesus came to take our place and grant us new life apart from sin. By faith in him, we are freed from its penalty forever. Though this isn't yet realized, it is the glorious hope that we as believers have. Because of this, let us strive to live holy lives now to his honor, his glory. What an important thing to remember is that everything that we do is to honor him now. Everything. Every decision we make. When... Jim and Tom go down to the... They have to drag me every Saturday down to the projects, but I eventually... They, they twist my arm enough, and I do go. 
and uh, and you know we're doing something that we believe is morally right, okay. And whatever it is you do, you know, you walk into Seven Eleven. When I walk in there, I don't think I've ever told them. Maybe I have that I preach, but you know, they, they, the people see me every day out there picking up all the garbage, and I'm barefoot and I look like a bum. And I walk in, they say, "Hey, pastor," you know, and they, and I, I don't like that title, but that's what they've decided they're going to call me. And so, and then people say, "Oh." You know, and then they'll, you hear a little whispering going on, and uh, all the cops there know me. And yes, cops do eat donuts at 7 <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Literally, there'll be five of them sitting there for a half an hour every day, and that 7 Eleven is the best protected place on Siesta Key, I'm going to tell you what. But um, uh, they're a good bunch of guys, and um, uh, anyway, even working at 7 Eleven, picking up garbage, you can be a testament for Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, whatever you do, you can do it. And people will eventually find out that they can come to you in a time of need or they know that you are a person that is responsible and you're not just, you know, playing uh, whatever, playing uh, Mr. Religion one day and doing something the next. But every single decision to his honor and to his glory now. Okay, 129. <laughs> they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips. Wow, okay. It's completely different than mine. Different words, same same thing, but I'll read mine. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. So it's the same concepts, it's just different words. So uh, anyway, excuse me. Um, this verse is continuing on with with those that God gave over to a debased mind that now do those things which are not fitting. So we've gone from the moral to the mental, and now they're actively working out what is not fitting. Forthcoming from Paul's hand is a list of 23 of these things, and they fit people of every stratum of society and from the most backward of people groups to the most economic and socially elite in the world. Some people may be filled with many in the list and some with just a few or only one. But the depravity of the human heart finds its release somewhere in this list of fallen man. Okay? It affects everybody. And he's going to go through the whole thing. But um, considering uh, that man was made in God's image and with the intent and purpose of bringing him glory, remember, that that's why we're here. We were created in his image and we were created to have fellowship with him and to glorify him. Let's go back really quickly while it comes to mind because uh, lots of people did not watch the uh, early Genesis sermons that may be watching online. But it says here, um, chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man. So man was created outside of the garden, and he was placed in the garden, okay, whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then uh, we're going to go down to, um, uh, let's see here, hold on one sec. Let me find it. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to, it says here, tend and keep it. Okay, I can assure you that that is not the intent of this passage. The words form a um, uh, gender conflict if, it's, if you use the words tend and keep. 
the words that are correct, and they have the uh, different words have multiple meanings in the Bible, and this comes from a study by Dr. Richard Howe of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He wrote a paper called Rethinking Adam. And those words are, and I assure you this is correct, rightly translated as to worship and serve, not to tend and keep the garden. Man was not created to work in the garden. And every preacher, you hear that sermon twice a year, man was meant to work. And that was not the original intent. Man was nuach, rested in the garden. He wasn't put there to work. He was there in a rest. Why? Because it's the seventh day. God created on six days, right? And the intent was that he would enter into the seventh day of rest. He was there to worship and to serve. Why do we know that this is true? Is because everything in Genesis is restored in Revelation. And what does it say on the last page of the Bible? That the people will worship and serve God, okay? And that is what is being restored. And how do they do it? By being in God's rest. And where does that happen? By calling on Jesus Christ as Lord, Hebrews 4.3, now we who believe do enter that work, right? Rest. Yeah. Oh, that rest. Thank you. Oh, I was wrong. Okay? We who believe do enter that rest. We are now in God's rest. That's why we're not Sabbatarians. That's why we worship and serve our Creator, because we have positionally moved from fallen Adam, who did not get that, that responsibility. He lost it, and we now receive it back by calling on Jesus Christ. Positionally, we are seated in heaven already, and we are to worship and serve our Creator. Okay? So, um, going back to where we are now. 129, this verse is continuing on with those that God gave over to a base mind to do those things. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, considering that man was made in God's image, um, and with the intent and purpose of bringing him glory, this list is a scathing indictment on us. Okay, we were intended to serve and worship and serve our Creator, and instead we do all of these things as human beings. This first is all unrighteousness. Okay, this is a broad brushstroke of those who are in Adam and speaks of every angle from which sin can attack the thoughts, the words, the actions, the inactions, the motivations, and so on. This thought covers both outwardly toward others and inwardly toward self. All right, it is all unrighteousness. The man who was created to be spiritually connected to God is carnal and unspiritual. Okay? That is our state. That's the first point that he's made out of 23 of them. We were intended to worship and serve the Creator. Sin has marred us so badly that this is what ends up. Everything that we do, everything that we think is infected with sin. And it doesn't matter if we get up in the morning or if we go to bed at night. It doesn't matter if we're driving to work or if we're doing something else. Sin is always creeping in to us. Always. And we have to actively fight it off. And the world is not doing that. The world is not willing to fight it off. And most Christians, I dare say, are not willing to do it either. Crouching at the door. Crouching at the I was just going to quote that. You are, you're always <laughs> thinking what I'm thinking. Sin is crouching. Where is that? That's Genesis chapter 4. We'll go there very quickly just so people know what he knows what he's talking about. It's... Cain has done something, getting ready to do something wrong. And it says here, um, um, uh, verse 7. Uh, so the Lord said, this is 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. This is the first guy ever born to the stream of humanity. Sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. He was the first person ever born as recorded in the Bible 
Okay, we don't actually know if he was the first person ever born. We don't know how many brothers and sisters he had, but he is the one that is taken out of the line of Adam as an example. And so we can trust that he is the first person born and that Adam is the, or Abel is the second, but we can't say that explicitly, okay? People are left out of genealogies. That's why when you go through, um, real quickly, just so you understand what I'm saying, Genesis chapter 5, it'll say that... Um, um, uh, yeah, after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Then it says, um, Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. He could have had 20 children before that. It is Enosh that is being focused on, okay? So we can't say that he was 125 years old when he had his first child. He was 125 years old when he had, or 105, 105 years old when he had Enosh, because it is the line that God is selected to lead to the Messiah that's being focused on. That's why I say we cannot dogmatically say that Cain was the first person born. We can infer it from the, the account, but don't be dogmatic about things that are concealed. He is focused on the Cain, he's focused on Abel for a reason, the names of the children. A girl could have been born first. We have no idea. But the name of Cain is important. The name of Abel is important. It tells a story. And then this person who was probably, like I said, probably the first person ever born to human history murdered his brother. If that doesn't tell you how infected we are with sin, even after being told sin is crouching at the door, master it. And he couldn't. And this is a guy that didn't have all of the experience that we have, all this stuff coming at us on Facebook and all these other things that tempt us into sin. He was a guy working out in the fields. Go ahead. You can just back up for a second. Yes. Said that Revelation ends. Yes. Worshiping and serving. Weird. Okay, I'm going to take you to that. Sing us how you asked. All right. It doesn't say it in one sentence, but it does say, uh, let me take you there. It says here, I'm glad you asked because it's always good to be uh, thorough and to question... Uh, question what you're told, but it says, um, um, uh, let's see here, the, uh, okay, verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the land shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, right? So worshiping and serving. Yeah, there we go. Okay, okay, so you got it, and then worship is in there also. They're worshiping the lamb, they're worshiping, uh, he went to worship uh, before the feet of the angel, don't do that, worship God, um, uh, verse 9, worship God, worship and serve. That is what we are told to do. So I'm glad you questioned that. I just wish you wouldn't do it in front of all these people and put me on the spot. I'm so sorry to be wrong. I'm thinking somebody like me out and watch They're going to say, how do I know that's true? Wait a second. I'm yeah. at the end of Revelation and I'm so, not seeing that. I'm not seeing it. But here we go. Verse 9, worship. Yes, worship God. Okay, but here, here we have the question. The obvious question is if we're to worship and serve or to tend and keep, why doesn't it say it on the last page of Bible, which right. is the, the page of restoration? It never says keep anything it doesn't say tend anything we are we're never intended no. to be workers in the the paradise that god created he created it we were to enjoy it and to fellowship with him and we lost that right and thank god for jesus christ who restores that right to us i mean what a god that he would do the the things that go on in this brain 24 hours a day i i, I have to sometimes say and hitiko hears me muttering i know she does lord how could you love me how could, how could you love me? And I ask that thing all the time. I just don't understand it. I, the things that I think and the things I do and the grief I give her. Boy, look at her. She's saying, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, uh, thank God for Jesus Christ. Where are we? Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's carnal is unspiritual. The next in this list has been covered in the preceding verses. Sexual immorality. Are we going to get done with this? we got ten more minutes. 
Wow, we've got a long way to go. I'm just going to read. Um, let's see here. Um, this is any sexual thought, action, or contact which occurs outside of the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. Sexual immorality. God presented Eve to Adam, and thus the pattern was established at the beginning. The law of Moses, the arrival of Jesus, and the introduction of the church age all confirm one uh, the original intent and pattern. Sexual sins are personal and intimate, and therefore they require one to be in tune with God's intent at all times, lest they take over the unsuspecting or unprepared. And how nobody wants to hear about that in the world today. You cannot turn on the TV and watch the most, you can't watch Nickelodeon without seeing something that's perverse anymore. I mean, nothing. And we have to be able to filter that out if we're going to watch it at all. Because what was it, how long ago was it, um, the 50s or something, where they were not even allowed to show a husband and a wife fully clothed in the same bed? Yeah, had to have separate beds and they weren't allowed to do that. And, uh, you know, I hate to, I hate to uh, give the credit to the Catholics, but they had a union or a, 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 a way of keeping that that reviewed way. All the films. Yes, they reviewed them, and it was the Catholics that did that. But it was the right thing to do, you know. Uh, their theology and almost everything else is wrong, but they do have abortion and other moral issues. Correct. So what was that? I said when they quit reviewing the films, they quickly went downhill. Very quickly went downhill. That's exactly right. Um, okay, so uh, let's see here. Next on the list is wickedness. This word speaks of intentional harm against others. A good word to understand this would be malice. Okay, John Calvin states, It is that depravity and obliquity of mind which strives to produce injury on others. You you're, have actual malice towards others, and that's what it's speaking of there. Um, well, there's just people like that out in the world. I mean... I know somebody, and I'm not going to uh, say what his name is, but he's a, a friend of mine, and he used to be a hard drinker. And he told me that he used to come into all of the bars in Golfgate. And he would go up to the bar, not a big guy, he'd go up to the bar, and he'd find the largest person in that bar, <laughs> and he'd pick a fight with him. And he'd, what? He, he, yes, and he did this regularly. He said, this is what I did. I it, does anybody here know who I'm talking about? I got one person that's shaking his head yes. Okay, and let me tell you what, that is the kind of conduct that we have right here. It's somebody that wants to be malice. He wants to fight. He wants to harm other people. Why? Because he's got the anger inside of him and he doesn't have the cure for it, right? Now that guy I know now is the strongest Christian I know in the world. Wow. Unbelievable. But what did it take? It took taking that anger and giving it over to the Lord and saying, I can't deal with this anymore. And so this is the type of people that are out there and everybody can be redeemed I'm telling you what we talk badly about homosexuals and we talk badly about brawlers and all of these people but anybody can be redeemed but some people are so seared that they do not want to be redeemed and so we need to keep that in mind we have two things going on loving these people and trying to get them to come to a right resolution in their mind while at the same time perfectly condemning what they're acting in okay love and hate the sin I love that yes you got something too Proverbs Solomon said these, they plan their wickedness and then they go out and do it. And do it. They plan on their beds. They lay in their bed and they think of how they can invent wickedness and then they go out and they do it. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, okay, so uh, next one on this list. From wickedness we move to covetousness. Okay, now coveting, maybe I say it in here so I'm not going to preempt myself. Coveting is the last of the Ten Commandments and so it isn't perceived as a bad sin compared to the others. 
But this is the opposite of the truth, and everybody needs to understand this about coveting. Um, I don't mention it here, but I will tell you that coveting is, it's a sin that only you know. Right? It's inside of your head. It's something that you are doing, and yet God says that it's a sin. And so he knows. He's reading our hearts and minds. It's the one sin of all of the big ten. Saying that, God isn't good enough. He didn't take care of it. That's right. Yeah. But he still knows it because nobody else knows that you're coveting until you act on it. And here, here's the point from there. But you're right. That's exactly right. The says greed there for covetous. Well, greed, it's the same. Word. It's the same. That's right. Um, coveting leads to the committing of the other sins. Just what you said. When one covets something else, bless you. They take their eyes off of God and replace him with that thing, thus breaking the first commandment. Coveting another man's wife leads to adultery, thus breaking the seventh commandment, and so on. We need to be thankful for what we do have and fix our eyes on Jesus and not on the things that we don't possess. Okay. You had that in today's or yesterday's Bible verse. Oh, did I? Okay. Sure. It was like if you, if you are leaning towards... Things that are right, right, and you want more of it, just like it's a covetous type. Of oh, absolutely! I did do that, you know. And I told you this before: is that I, um, I um, type those usually about four o'clock in the morning, and so I'm not really awake when I'm typing them, and then I get them posted. I'm so awake when I read them, yeah, you're still. Like, Thank you. Thank you for not being awake when you read them, because. Um, but anyway, yes, I uh, and I've got a friend that uh, lives in New Jersey, and he reviews every one of them, and he finds my errors, and I, you know, I type your instead of you, and it makes me look so stupid. But he misses once, a few. He does miss a few too, but that's okay. He misses very little. He's very. He has a word he uses about himself, and I, I don't. I don't know the word. Picayune. Hmm. Picayune. Yeah. Picayune. Okay. Anyway, he's always saying I'm very picayune, very picayune. and uh, that's all right because he's very thorough yeah. in so that. Are you typing this on Facebook when you're doing it? What? Are you typing it on Facebook? No, no, no. I type them ten days in advance, okay. and then I and I do that so I can catch my own errors. Yeah. But it's still very hard to catch because I'm thinking what I've typed, yeah. and so it's very hard to catch your own errors. And that's oh, why I'm grateful when people over, tell me. You understand in your mind. But yeah, yeah, my mind says you, and it says your. So it's a very hard thing to do. But don't forget, we have this here. We're gonna have to stop in the middle of this first because we're done, and we got another eight points in this verse to go through. So um, anyway, do you pray? Yes. Would you pray us out? Certainly. Good evening, Lord. It's uh, wonderful to be in your house. And prayer and study. and Lord, it's good to be reminded that our purpose here on earth is to glorify you. And uh, we're thankful for the lesson that was given here. We're thankful for your faithful servant uh, imparting your word as the Holy Spirit uh, imparted it to those that wrote the gospel. Uh, Lord, I just pray um, that we understand taking this information in and, and having it in our mind, that's knowledge, but applying it in our life, that's godly wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I pray that we'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, let me back this up and then you all can say goodbye to the folks on line. Let's see, we're going to go to break. And it's backing up now. And here we go. Wave. Bye. We love you. Have a great week, okay? We'll see you later. All right. We're going to turn that off and turn this off. Oh.